Hello, everyone, and welcome back once again to HOA It's a True Story. Today, we are speaking with our GB Group team. We have with us our owner, Ryan Brown, and our president, Bill Mann. And we're talking about project soft costs and budgets. We're so pleased to have you both back on the show again. Thank you for joining us and welcome once more to HOA It's a True Story. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Reagan. Okay, so we're going to kind of jump right into this instead of doing our usual introductions. Bill, one of the things we're talking about is what are the hurdles you're seeing with these older associations that they're facing now in construction? Well, I think one of the big ones on the pre-78 projects are the lead and asbestos testing requirements, as well as the abatement fees should you find lead and asbestos on the actual project site. So these are kind of unforeseen costs. They can raise your you know, construction costs anywhere from 20 to 40%. So they're not insignificant, and it's something that the EPA and Cal OSHA are really cracking down on. So Are construction managers paying attention to this? Are they... Adding not that. as closely as we'd like some of them to. <laughs> a lot of them are, though. A lot of them yeah. have really started including this in their projects. So if you don't have this in your project budget, you were saying it could add up to 20 to 40 percent? Yeah, depending on what kind of abatement you have to do, what materials there, where it has to be hauled to, what's, you know, kind of specialized dump fees you have to pay. It's not insignificant. So, And what so. if they don't have hot lead? What if they just have to do the testing? What kind of fees are with that? Fees are pretty economical. I mean, you found, Ryan, I don't really, you know, even for a large association, you know, you're not talking over $10,000. So that's um, correct. Once they have, once they have the report, you have the report right now, they haven't put a life expectancy on the reports or, or added any additional testing requirements. So once you have on file, you're done and you have it, you know, for all your projects going forward. It's actually a common misconception that when you are working with a property that is pre-1978, that you have to perform lead and asbestos testing all the time for all your projects. Right. Really, if you do a thorough enough investigation, especially on the exterior envelope, it becomes part of the HOA record and you're one you're and done. done. Okay. So what other costs are you seeing, Bill? Well, one of the other things that we're seeing certainly pop up in a lot of the cities and some cities and counties are just mandating our sewer lateral inspections and repairs. Some of the cities are doing it in conjunction with building permits. And it's one of those things where reserve studies never really included plumbing like plumbing at all. And the reserve study was always considered to have a infinite life expectancy. <laughs> so, so, so far we're seeing EPA and EPA. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. So with the sewer lateral inspection, it's also a uncommon project that most managers have not had to deal with. So right. there's a lot of learning curve when they're going through that process, trying to understand what it is, how to do the inspection, and then find someone who's qualified to do it. Right. So that usually takes a little bit of time to get up and running. The other thing that we're seeing a lot is the reserves that associations have. It's starting to get corrected a little bit better, but when we really went through that cost spike through the pandemic, right. whether it was supply chain or the labor market going crazy, there was a little bit of gouging going on from wood to liquid Concrete. materials. Yeah, steel coming from overseas, things like that. What we found is 
a lot of reserve studies were not accounting for enough money that they need to do the project for. It kind of puts them in a position where they thought they had enough money to do it. They don't. Where do you go from there? Yeah, and I think one of the other things the reserve studies were finding is that, you know, most of the large projects now are all going through construction management or project services department within the management companies. And there's a lot of extra costs attached to that. And most of the reserve studies don't have that included. So that can add, you know, anywhere from, you know, 15 to 25, 30% onto your construction costs that you may not have funded yet. That's correct. And then last but not least, the infamous SB 326. When that kind of came out into law, it came rather quickly if you weren't on top of it. And really what it did is it forced a lot of communities to do a pretty thorough investigation that that was not accounted for. So maybe they had set aside, you know, several thousand dollars for projects for that particular year. Well, now we only have two years left before it needs to be complete. Not even about a year and a half, yeah, right? Not even. So I know that threw a large curveball for a lot of people and especially what gets discovered in the inspection really changes a lot of things. So an HOA may have not had them servicing their decks or walkways for many years to come, but the due date of the inspection was before that, which then expedites the reconstruction project if they have life safety conditions. Oh, sure. So, so, so they it were starts changing. It starts changing timelines. You know, money kind of has to get shifted around. I think management companies have done a great job adjusting and getting back on track with all that. But it definitely was something that they had to consider and make some pretty serious adjustments for. Bill, do you think the state legislator, when they put this through the legislation, do you think that five years was enough time for the volume that they had go through? Probably not. And the pandemic didn't really help because, you know, everything kind of just got put on hold while that was going on. So that's true. So um, they really didn't end up with that first year. No, I mean, maybe even the first two years, really. So, you know, it's definitely they're not enough inspectors. I still think, you know, as we've seen from reports coming in, people have asked us to bid off. There's certainly different levels of inspections being done out there. It's not very, I would call standardized. Some of them are very thorough and some are pretty, pretty uh, glossed over. Let's put it that way. Aside from the 326, have we seen a lot of code upgrades? On the older communities, depending on the municipality, and I'm sure Ryan has, you know, experiences as well as I do, it kind of depends. Some of the municipalities are very focused on code upgrades and others are not. Some are a little bit more lenient with grandfathering in. I know a lot of managers can relate to sometimes when you touch certain aspects of the community, they want that entire area brought up to code. Mm -hmm. It really changes municipality to municipality. Mm. And some are a lot more understanding and flexible. Some will drag you over the coals. Well, as you said, everything has changed since the pandemic, even the way we deal with the building departments in each city. Are the days of over-the-counter building for place like and kind and just walking in and getting it handled and going? The short answer is yes. Yeah, that's gone. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that you could go in and sit with a person and literally sketch what you were doing explaining that you're doing a like for like, it's going to look exactly like this, blah, blah, blah. And you would get through it. Uh, Can't even go in and see that person anymore. So half the stuff has to be submitted online. Okay. Yeah. And not only that, 
the days of, you know, sitting across from someone are done because they've all changed to an online portal. So you're submitting your permit application, things like that. Some are a little more streamlined than others. Shout out to the city of Capitola. And, <laughs> um, and others are very difficult to deal with. And one of the common misconceptions is a lot of HOAs are used to the permit process not causing such delays. I mean, we have some that can reach a year in the more dramatic instances. A common time frame is 90 days mm-hmm. to, to get you know them to receive it because what's happening is a lot of these municipalities are now subbing out their drawing reviews, their blueprint reviews, really? their permit applications to third-party architectural review firms. So what's happening is it goes into the city, gets sent to a subcontractor of theirs. They review it, no photos, no anything, just kind of grade it, but grade it by the book. And, you know, you may be doing something and they start giving you comments for all this stuff. And you're like, I'm not even changing any of that. <laughs> so the, the online portals have been tough on contractors. Well, then, Bill, do you think that the association should develop a relationship with the building department to better understand what they're going to require? I think if they're going in as an older association, particularly, and they're going into large repair project, or maybe not even that large, you know, if they can schedule a meeting with a building official and kind of find out where the city's standing, you know, what kind of code upgrades they may ask for or design changes, or if the board's doing design changes, you know, what kind of design review is gonna be part of the approval process and timelines. I find that if you're kind of upfront with the building departments on the most part, and actually kind of get a building official behind you, a lot of times they're a little more lenient and they'll also kind of shepherd your project through. You know, if you go in cold, you know, with a set of plans, the architect drops off. Like Ryan says, it goes to a third party and then God knows what comes back. So what about you, Ryan? Who is the most qualified to handle the permitting process for your projects? If you have design professionals or construction managers involved in your project, it's typically best to start with them because they're, they're kind of running point guard on the design of the project. One thing to double check is that taking the project through the permit process is part of their proposal. Sometimes you can find that cost is above and beyond. It's also very common for the contractor to take it start Mm -hmm. to finish because ultimately the permit's going to be in our name. So, you know, there's sometimes needs to be some collaboration between the groups. It's uncommon for the board or for the HOA directly to pull the permit. It's usually someone, the authorized person who's going to be performing the project or an authorized person that's involved in the project from a structural or design aspect. So then to your point, you can pretty much say the building departments completely vary from city to city. Absolutely. And the timelines are very long. So when you're doing your project planning and if you think that you're going to submit in the month of May and be doing construction by July, the, <laughs> the, the realistic aspect of that is that it just takes time of, you know, passing the ball back and forth with these municipalities, these third-party reviewers. You have to adjust comments from their feedback, and it, it kind of seems never-ending. We're, we're probably putting in triple the amount of work to get a permit as we once did. Wow. Triple, huh? 
Well, Bill, a week or two ago, we spoke with Susan Hoffman about budgets mm -hmm. and what to get ready for. The reserves are obviously directly tied to budget increases and in assessments, but what can we tell managers to better help them prepare, especially for these construction costs? Well, I think, and I've, you know, this is something I've kind of preached for years, actually, is anytime you have a large construction project coming up that's, you know, three years out, it's, you know, a good idea to start getting budget numbers from your preferred vendors and stuff to make sure that, you know, one, you're in the right ballpark, two, if they see any hurdles with getting the permit, I mean, can remember back in the 70s, you might write Reagan when we went from wood roofs to comp roofs. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was different costs and different issues that, you know, was were created by changing the roofing material that necessarily wasn't figured out in the reserve study. So I think it's, you know, if you get about a three-year stretch, some earlier is better if it's a bigger project. By the time you get down to the, you know, time to pull the, pull the cord and do it, hopefully you'll have everything in line. Ryan, do you think these increases are nationally driven or just in California? It really depends what the market is for that material. So if you're having a natural disaster, like for instance, the wildfires in Canada, if right. it's a specific type of wood that these lumber suppliers are sourcing from Canada, you're going to feel that impact. I forgot about that. A lot of the lumber comes out of Canada since mm -hmm. the tariff got released and everything on that. Wow. Yeah. So what do you think, Bill? Are you seeing that in Texas and Florida? Yeah, I mean, I think I think Ryan's right. I mean, stuff comes from different parts of the world. And, you know, so and I'm sure the the fire in Hawaii will start impacting materials here, too, because they're going to start, you know, the demand's going to start and they're going to start shipping them over there. So, yeah, that was my actually my next question for you is whether Maui yeah. and and the natural disaster damages that occur around the country, you know, we know it's impacting it because we're now seeing insurance leaving the state and it's going to further impact these costs in the future. So how can they plan for this? It's tough. I, I You just need to keep looking ahead and, and making adjustments as you go. It's kind of a fluid situation. And keep doing your maintenance along the way. That helps. That helps. Well, we talk about this a lot because I know we've said it in probably four or five podcasts, but what should managers consider for increases in costs for this year's budget? Well, I think if they look at construction costs over the last five years, I mean, I think that they need to, any item that is related to that in their reserve study needs to go up at least by 50%. No, I have to ago. agree because I remember in 2017, we did a couple presentations about the cost of increase. They were anticipating 5% and it went up closer to 10%. And then year over year, it was going up 10% when they were expecting only five again. It starts having this domino effect all through how HOAs are ran from budgets to reserves to cost of projects to how people do business with municipalities. It's a very changing landscape right now. Bill, when we talk about soft costs, explain what we mean by that so that the listeners understand the difference between a hard cost and a soft cost on a project. Well, I mean, the uh, hard cost is actually the cost of the construction company doing the project. The soft costs are things like construction management, design fees, permit fees, kind of all the other aspects um, that go Lightness, into a project. testing. Yeah, um, all that kind of stuff that's not actually boots on the ground, I'm pounding nails. So. 
back in the day, we used to see a lot of projects without construction management, mainly because the managers themselves were a little bit more seasoned and familiar with it. And now we're seeing more construction managers. Do you think that's because there's so many new managers coming into the market space and they're just not, or the HOAs are really just looking for additional third-party review? I think it's twofold. I think one, I think you hit nail on the head that there's a lot of new managers. Two, I also think that the size of the portfolio that a manager is expected to oversee is a lot larger now than it was in the past. So their bandwidth is not as big as it used to be you know, in, in earlier days. And, and I think that the management company owners see liability with having I'll call it green newbie managers oversee projects. So they've a lot of them have set up these in-house project services departments or a project over a certain dollar amount is required to go out to a third-party construction manager. And not to mention life gets extremely busy. So yes. if you're a volunteer board member and you're trying to save your association money by not having oversight, sometimes it's doable. If it's a more simplistic scope of work, like, you know, a pre-paint project or you're getting ready to, you know, do something on a smaller scale. But when you start getting into these larger dollar projects, more complex scopes of work, it's very common to go through, you know, representation like you talked about. That's like a liaison. You know, honestly, it seems like the projects are getting bigger, too. Maybe it's because the buildings are getting older, so they're just scaling out further. Well, most buildings in the Bay Area were built 60, 70, 80, mm -hmm. right? That's where sure. a majority of the, the initial construction wave happened. So, you know, you're talking about 60, 70, 50 years. Yeah. So where the buildings, like in these maintenance programs through the reserves and budgets, yes, they're working on the building envelope, things like that. But now the interior bones of these buildings, the plumbing, the, the framing of the building, the framing of the roofs, they're now running their natural life expectancy. Right. I think, I think uh, it, it was an attorney that told us that these buildings are actually hitting their life cycle that they're, they're, they're hitting the end of their life cycle and that some of them really need to be considered about being torn yeah. down. Yeah, there are some really interesting conversations happening in the industry versus like what you just described, value of the building itself mm -hmm. versus the cost to what it needs. It's kind of like a when you crash your car, that evaluation, right. right? Yeah. Okay, it's only worth this much and it costs this much to repair it. I'm curious if we'll ever hit that arena where we're having those discussions with these buildings. Well, that's actually what brought up the whole sewer laterals, right, Bill, where it was one area that they discovered was leaking into the bay. And so then they went, well, we're going to make everybody inspect sewer laterals. Yeah. And so it became a big thing. And, you know, it was being basic for health issues initially. But I mean, it's become a pretty significant thing. And I think, you know, Ryan brings up a good thing about all the systems within these buildings. I mean, you take a 1970 condo that has a 40 amp panel inside and you put a tech nerd in there with all his computer screens and everything else going. And, you know, suddenly they're having, you know, breakers trip and and having electrical problems. And then he wants to put in a charger for his Tesla. 
So right. <laughs> it's like, you know, <laughs> and there's not there's not enough power in the street and, you know, the whole infrastructure of the association is kind of like, what do you do? And I think, you know, a lot of them, especially in the last couple of years, you've, we've seen them getting to that point. Well, the name of the podcast is HOA. It's a true story. Do you have a story to share? I have a little funny one, budgeting story. So was working with the community, was doing their decks, and then we went into a painting project just as the board changed. And then so the new treasurer decides that she wants to make a mark in the world. So she starts reviewing the contract for the painting projects and comes back and says, well, how much less would it cost if we only put one coat of paint on? And so we give them the numbers and everything else, and they decide to move forward with one coat of paint. Well, then we get the phone call nine months later when they're doing the reserve review and all of a sudden the paint life expectancy of the paint cycle has been shortened and now our reserve contribution went up oh well you're going to pay now or you're going to pay later exactly so okay well thank you so much for sharing with us today and if you have any questions about what project soft costs look like, feel free to reach out to us at inquiry at gbgroupinc.com and we'll be happy to get back to you. And I just want to give a quick shout out to all the folks that have been sending in ideas or information they'd like to learn more about. It really helps us to direct the podcast to continue to be an educational platform for you. So thank you for that and keep it coming and please be sure to subscribe for your podcast on your favorite platform that you listen to. Thanks again.